chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. That's in the New Testament, Dylan. Okay. When you get a little older, Grandpa and your mom will help you memorize all the books of the Bible, and you'll know where to find them. But praise the Lord. That's called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay. Colossians chapter 2, we'll, we'll start in verse 6, but we're going to look at verse 8 tonight. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Notice the, the whole phrase there. Christ, that means anointed one. That's, his, that's his, his name as Messiah. Okay, I mean his position as Messiah. Okay, for example, if I go to the bank, sometimes I speak to the vice president. Okay, that's his, that's his title, okay? But, no, that's his position, okay? His position also is his title. But with God, with the Lord Jesus, it's different, okay? His position is separate from his title. Christ is his position as Messiah, the promised one. comes from a Hebrew word that means the anointed one, the one that God selected and poured out his spirit on, okay? Chose him to be the sacrifice for sin. So that's Christ. Jesus is his name. Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Savior, okay? He got named what he was, okay? That used to be true in Indian tribes. This uh, young Indian brave asked his dad one time, why do we, why do we name our children uh, after the first, you know, after the first animal we see? And his dad said, "Well, ugly dog, I don't. We just always have." <laughs> so Jesus is his name. It means Savior. It's the same as the uh, Hebrew word Joshua. Okay, Yeshua. There's no J in Hebrew, and so it's Yeshua. And, uh, but it's the same word. It means Savior. Okay? So, the anointed Savior, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, the Lord. Lord is his title. Okay? This morning in the service, we talked about the fact that we receive Christ believing that he is Lord. Okay? Romans 10:9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... Or that Jesus is Lord. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And so uh, he is Lord. There, several years ago there was a controversy among Bible believers about lordship salvation. Did you have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord when you got saved? Or did you just ask Jesus to save you? Well... To me, the controversy, I understood both sides, looked at both sides, and to me the controversy did not make any sense at all because Jesus is Lord. Okay? If I receive him, then I receive him as Lord. Okay? 
How much I yield to his lordship is between him and me. Okay? If I'm going to be an obedient follower of Christ, then he's going to be the Lord in my life. And I'm going to follow him. But I have not always done that. Sometimes I have been a rebellious servant. I've decided to go my own way, do my own thing. Does that mean that Jesus is no longer Lord of my life? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means I'm opening myself up for a little chastisement. Or a lot of chastisement, whichever the case may be. doesn't mean that Jesus isn't Lord. He is Lord. There's nothing we can do to change that. That's His, that's his name, His title, His position. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. And as I recognize that, I ought, to, I ought to yield to it, submit to it. So, let's get started again. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. The abounding requires thanksgiving. Okay? It's impossible to abound in Him without being grateful. Because the opposite of gratitude is what? Ingratitude. And what's in the middle? Apathy. Okay? Apathy. This company did a major survey to ask what uh, people thought were the two major problems in politics. And the answer they came up with the most was, uh, 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 do you, uh, oh, no, the question was, do you think that ignorance and apathy play a major role in American politics? And the answer was, most widely given, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> That's the definition of ignorance and apathy. I don't know and I don't care. And so here in the middle between ingratitude and gratitude is, I don't know and I don't care. Okay? Well, that's not allowing God to be uh, the king, the ruler, the Lord in your life. Because we're commanded in everything to give thanks. In everything. And why do we do that? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So, we are to be built up in Him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware. Beware. Beware of the dog. You see that sometimes on people's gates. Okay. Saw one the other day. Don't worry about the dog. Beware of the Smith and Wesson. Okay. Beware of the shotgun. <laughs> A lot of things to be aware of. Be aware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Oh my goodness, what major problems we have in churches today because people are following the traditions of the world and philosophy and vain deceit and the rudiments of this world and they are not Following Christ. Okay? There's no way you can call yourself a Christian if you are not a follower of Jesus. Because a follower of Jesus is a little Christ. An, ex an example of Christ. And 
a follower of his. That's what the word Christian means. The Christians, uh, the, the believers were first called Christians in Antioch. And it was not a term of acclaim. They didn't, the people weren't cheering. Yay, there's a Christian, there's a Christian. No. It was a slam. It was a slap at them. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You're a little Christ, aren't you? You're a little Christ, aren't you? And I want to be. That's the desire of my life. As a follower of Jesus, I want to be known as a Christian, a little Christ. I want people to, to recognize that I love Jesus. So I want to follow after Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you. Oh, do you know how you can tell if something is spoiled? In the refrigerator, it changes color. Right? And it smells bad. Okay? And it's not healthy. Right? Okay? Let me illustrate. You open up the refrigerator, take out the carton of milk, you unscrew the top. Now, this is not happening in families with teenagers. There's never enough milk to go around. <coughs> milk doesn't last long enough for it to spoil. But sometimes in the families of elderly people, us old guys, <coughs> we, don't, we don't drink milk fast enough to make the whole gallon disappear. And so you open it up and you pour it into a glass. And when you do, it looks like it is trying to separate into two different substances. Okay? It may not have separated enough yet for you to notice. But as soon as you put it to your mouth, your tongue recognizes that this milk is no longer homogenized. It may be pasteurized, but if it gets that deep, you're in trouble. Okay? Pasteurized. Okay? And then you smell it. And a lot of times, as you get older, you learn to smell the milk first before you ever pour it in the glass. <laughs> you know? Woo! I don't I'm going to say that for my wife. Put the cat back on, put it back in the refrigerator. But it's spoiled. Okay? Paul says, don't let any man spoil you. Now, it also happens with small children. Okay? Especially grandchildren. I know some children who are spoiled by their parents and they are, ooh, difficult to be around. Okay? You see them at the store sometimes. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And and you know. And then when they don't get it, they start crying. You know, Walmart. Several times I've walked up to a, the the cart of a crying toddler and said, "Oh man, my heart goes out to you." That's exactly how I feel when I have to go shopping. <laughs> and usually the kid stops and stares at me like, "You talking to me?" You know. Sometimes children get spoiled. How? Because they get their own way, whether it's good for them or not. They always get their own way. And they've learned to manipulate parents so that they can get their own way. You know? They know if mom says no once, twice, three, four, five times, she's not probably going to say no the sixth time or the tenth time or the fifteenth time. And so they just keep asking and keep asking until finally she gives in. 
Okay? My mother didn't. She thought I understand. She thought I understood that the word no meant N O, no. And so she would just say it once, sometimes twice if she thought I didn't hear her the first time. But if she had to say it three times, she illustrated that no meant stop. Not just don't. You're not going to get it. Stop asking. Okay. That little plastic belt had come off. Whoa! Pretty exciting. But we can spoil ourselves by not ever recognizing when God says no. Okay? So, let no man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Philosophy and vain deceit. Do you all know that next Sunday is Benny Hinn Sunday? Do you know who Benny Hinn is? Okay. He and Oral Roberts uh, have healing services across the world. Okay. And when you get, go to one of those services, if you have a physical problem, they screen you pretty carefully. And then you get, to get in a line and you go up on the stage and somebody tells him what your problem is. And he says, be healed. And he smacks you on the forehead and you fall backwards. they got two guys there to catch you. Okay. Next Sunday is Time Change Sunday. You fall backwards. <laughs> you say, Brother Casey, did you really just say that? Yeah, you won't forget that next Sunday church starts an hour later because you're going to fall backwards. Okay? Before you go to bed on Saturday night, turn your clock back one hour. You'll think, oh, i got another hour before I go to bed. No, go to bed on time. You can have an extra hour when you get up. Okay? Yeah, do that. Okay, try it. You'll love it. But Benny Hinn teaches that he has the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people. Okay, gifts of healing. You say, Brother Casey, do you think he does? I have no idea. Okay, here's what I know. If I had gifts of healing, if I had the ability to heal people... I would go from hospital to hospital, bed to bed, room to room, and use that. I would not have people come to my services so that I could collect a large offering and put on a show. That's not how Peter and John did it. When they were going into the temple and the guy said, alms, alms, because he was crippled, couldn't walk, couldn't go into the temple because he was crippled. You couldn't go into the temple into the temple if you were lame or, or blind or deaf. You couldn't go in. So he's sitting outside the gate and he's saying alms and, and Peter stops and he says, I'm, man, I'm sorry. Silver and gold have I none. Okay? Probably a Baptist preacher. Okay? No money. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give it give I thee. He did not, nowhere in Scripture does it record that he stopped. I mean, there's lots of people coming into the temple, coming in through the gate beautiful. He did not stop and say, hey, everybody, stop. Watch this. I'm going to heal this guy. Okay? Watch this. No, he just turned to the man and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee. Thee, not you. What's the difference? The is singular. 
you is plural. In the scripture, King James, if you read the word thee, it's singular. If you read the word you, it's plural. Ye is plural. Thou is singular. Okay? Just so you always know, and when people say, well, I don't like the King James because of the, all the these and thous. Say, well, that's because you don't understand what it's saying. Okay? That reflects not on the translation. It reflects on your education. Okay? So now y'all are educated in that matter. That one little thing. Okay? Peter turns to him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, at that point, the guy put on a show. Peter and John didn't. They just went on into the temple. But this guy jumps up, laughing and singing and praising God. First time he's gotten to go into the temple. First time he's gotten to see the, uh, the, the altar. First time he's gotten to see the big bronze laver where the priests wash their hands and feet before they go into the, uh, into the holy place. First time he's ever seen the doors open into the holy place. And, and he can see the reflection of the light off of the veil. Of course, the veil was gone by then. It had been ripped in two at the death of Christ, top to bottom. But this building's nine stories tall, 90 feet tall, and these huge bronze doors, and these huge, huge columns on each side of the door, one on each side. First time he has ever been in to see it, to get up close. And he, I mean, wow, he's excited. So what was their philosophy? Heal somebody and make a lot of money? No. Philosophy was, give this guy what you've got. The power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus. And the guy was healed. Do not beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Let's talk about some philosophies, okay? I know this is what you always want to get into, right? There's lots of different philosophies. Existentialism. Okay, existentialism. You say, what's that, Brother Casey? Well, I'm not sure. I read it, and I still don't understand it. Basically, it seems to be that I think, therefore I am. Descartes said that, and or he quoted somebody as saying it, and they gave him the credit. Okay, I think, therefore I am. Because I express thoughts, I must be human, okay? Now, to me, I can understand where he's coming from, but to me, I eat, therefore I am, okay? Because if I didn't eat, I wouldn't be. Okay, it just makes more sense to me, okay? Evolution is a philosophy. Let me show you. Uh, you're in Colossians. Flip over to First uh, Timothy. Actually, flip to Second Timothy, because that's where we're going. Second Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 15 through 19. Study to show thyself approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Well, what was their problem? Verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying, this is their philosophy, the resurrection is past already, and they overthrow the faith of some. The resurrection is already past? We missed it? Let me show you how things never change. They just go in circles. Okay? R.C. Spruill and Bible Answer Man, I don't remember his name, Hey Canagraph, both believe that the book of Revelation has already occurred in 70 A.D. Okay? It's called preterism. Okay? Excuse me? That's exactly what happened in the first century. That's what I love about the Word of God. All of the problems that arise in the church happened in the first church. The first century church. And they're all recorded in Scripture. You can find every one in Scripture. The, uh, the Word of Faith movement. John Hagee. Joyce Meyer, I, I hope I'm not trampling on your favorite preachers and priestesses, preacheresses, I don't know what you call her. <clears throat> okay. But this idea of you name it and claim it and God will give it to you, that's garbage. Yes, the scripture teaches, give and it shall be given you. Pressed down, shaken together. Heaped up and running over, will God give into your? Excuse me, will men give into your bosom? Okay, that is not at all the same as what they're teaching. They just use that for a proof text. What they're teaching is God never intended for you to be poor. If God didn't intend for people to be poor, how come He made so many of us? Okay. What God intends is for us to learn that when we give God His due, we call it tithe, T-I-T-H-E, when we give God His 10%, He sews up the holes in the bottom of our bag so that we don't have this grain running out on the ground while we're going out to sow seed. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that if we bring all the tithes into the storehouse, He will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so that we'll not be able to receive it all. Okay? Why do we always think blessings are monetary? I have a lot of blessings that are not monetary. I have a wife who loves me. If you knew me really well, you'd know what a blessing that is. No, I'm not an easy guy to live with. Well, I used to not be an easy guy to live with. I'm pretty easy to live with now. <clears throat> After 40 years, she's about got me trained. But it's just, you know, so many other blessings. I could have been born in any country on earth. I could have been born in China. It would have been about 
four years after Mao Zedong took over, Christianity was outlawed, could have been raised as a communist. And God didn't do that to me. Did it to a lot of folks, <laughs> like billions, but he didn't do it to me. That's a blessing. Okay? By the time I was 18 months old, Mrs. Craig and Mrs. Walker had already been to our house and knocked on the door and invited my mom and dad to church. And Mrs. Craig came by every Sunday morning and picked us up. She says I would come out the front door, step off the landing onto the front porch, which is about this high, and take three steps and come off the front porch into the grass on my face. Every Sunday. Hey, I want to go to church. And Craig's here. Okay? Her husband was named Kurt. And everybody referred to her as Craig. It's her last name. Corrine Craig. Okay? And so everybody talked about Kurt and Craig. See? So I grew up thinking that his name was Curtin. <laughs> Kurt and Craig. <laughs> Casey, that doesn't make any sense. Ah, yeah, you believe you thought a lot of stuff when you were little. It's not wasn't true too. Okay, so don't get started on me. <laughs> but Mrs. Craig came by every day, picked us up, took us to church. Lester Roloff came to town, led a revival. My mom got saved. My dad surrendered to preach. Those are the blessings of God. Knowing that all these years later, I was going to be at Keith Heights Baptist Church with a crippled wing. <laughs> Instead of my face crushed in going through the windshield of my car. That's a blessing. You know? Shun profane and vain babblings. They will increase unto more ungodliness. Their word will eat as does a canker. You know what a canker is, right? You ever had one on your lip? Woo! It hurts a day before it starts. And it hurts for three days after it's gone. Seems like. Hymenaeus and Philitus were two of these guys that had profane and vain babblings. Who concerning the truth of error, saying the resurrection is past already, they overthrow the faith of some. I mean, if the resurrection is already past, then we're pretty much sunk. Okay? Or, if there's only 144,000 that are going to heaven, we're in trouble. Because those 144,000 started with Jehovah's Witnesses back in the early 1800s. Okay? I'm not sure what those people are still doing, knocking on doors. Oh, and by the way, their philosophy is the same as Hymenaeus and Philetus, or, or Philetus, because uh, they say that the second coming occurred in 1917. That was the first one, I think. I'm not sure. 1947, 1959, they keep setting these dates. And uh, and I don't mind people doing that, 
Okay, I think the Lord's coming back this year. If he doesn't, then he's coming back next year. If he doesn't, he's coming back the next year. I'm just going to be disappointed that he waited so long. But they set definite dates and said, this is when he's coming. And if you're going to be a prophet and say, this is when God's coming, then you have to live under the rule of the prophet, which says, if a man makes a prophecy and it doesn't come true, he's to be stoned to death. Not just stoned. That may be the reason for the prophecy. That he <laughs> stoned. <laughs> that makes people say things and do things that are not, that are not right. <laughs> but he's to be stoned, to put to death. Okay? Nevertheless, verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay? The foundation of the Lord. What is it? Psalm 119. This is the foundation. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How long? Forever. How long is that? Forever. But how long is forever? Forever. His word is established in heaven. It's settled. It's not going to change. So don't be trying to change it. And then, while you're there, flip back one page to the, to the last chapter, the last two verses of 1 Timothy. Apparently, Paul thought this was pretty important. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. When somebody puts an O in front of your name, unless your name is O'Casey or O'Reilly or something like that, they apparently want your attention. Okay? My mom said one time, Oh, Randy. Well, we're Irish, but she never had called me that before. Okay? And the O usually goes before your last name, not your middle name. And so, Oh, Randy. Well, Paul starts out this verse with, O oh, Timothy. Okay? That, in, that puts some significance on it. O oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Now, what is a science falsely so called? That's a science that invents evidence or misinterprets evidence rather than believe the facts and the evidence. You say, well, like what, Brother Casey? Uh, anybody want to take a guess? Evolution. Okay? Evolution. Evolution is absolutely proven if you ignore all the evidence and are willing to give up rational thinking. Now, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the evolutionists, but, I mean, when you say that this layer of rock is this old because it has this in it, and we know that it's that old because it has this in it, what? And nowhere in the world do you find the geologic column in order... I mean, all the layers of rock in the world, no place does it show all the different eras. Now, i got to admit, I do like the Jurassic period because it 
made a cool movie. <laughs> you know, anytime you got a, a T Rex, which by the way was a uh, vegetarian, <laughs> chasing somebody with his teeth open and, and growling, I, that's just scary. I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> Even if they're not going to eat you. But, it, but that is, I mean, it just didn't make sense. That's circular reasoning. This layer of rock is this old because it has this fossil in it. Well, how old is this fossil? Well, it's this old because it's in this layer of rock. That wouldn't hold up in any court of law. Unless the judge was a, well, never mind. You may know some judges, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Okay, the best evidence for science is observation. Okay? It's reproducible and it's observation. When I was in high school, we took some shavings of pure sodium and put them in a paper towel, took them out behind the school, dropped them in a bucket of water and stepped back. And it went... So cool. We were not the first science class to ever do that. Our science teacher knew that was going to happen because he had done it before and he'd seen others do it before. It was observable. Sodium reacts to water and produces this very excited... Explosion. Well, good words, I know. And we did other cool things in science class. But every one we did was observable and reproducible. The only other scientific evidence that is of any value is when you do something that's not reproducible, but you have an eyewitness. Okay? And God himself watched while he said... Let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Guess who did it? Guess who was the only one there to see it? God. Eyewitness testimony, and he wrote it down in his book before he did it. Before he ever did it, he wrote it in his book. You say, Brother Casey, how can you say that? Well, I can say that because... Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How long? Forever. That didn't mean a starting point with no ending. It means it's always been there. Okay, I'm quitting. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now I know that thee means Timothy because it's singular. But what if it's me? That's singular. And you? That'd be singular. Okay? Sure. And I echo with the Apostle Paul and with Timothy, let it be so. Amen. And all God's people say, Amen.
So beware, because there's people out there trying to deceive you and trying to deceive your children, trying to deceive your family, your grandchildren. Don't let them do it. Teach your kids the truth. And then when they come home with questions, you say, honey, there are some people who see the truth and don't recognize it. And you just, you, you just have to pray for them. Pray for them. And tell them the truth. Often it starts with the gospel. You give them the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. When people get straight about how to get to heaven, then they, they, a lot of times they get straight about the rest of the word. See? Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your precious word. Dear Lord, help us to recognize the truth of it. And help us to recognize that it must be precious to us. These young people, help them now to start reading the Bible. And you begin teaching them from your word. Help their fathers and mothers to help to teach them from your word what the Bible has to say to them. It will keep them out of so much trouble. It will keep them from error. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless the refreshments downstairs. Bless the fellowship time. We pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.